The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Patience. We all need it. Some of us have more of us than others do. Some of us require it from others more than some of us. But it's an idea that's been coming up over and over in the course of the past really couple of months for me. A couple of my brother priests have had lunch with me at various times in the past few weeks and, and just kind of talking with them, learning uh, they're about to become pastors. And so kind of getting my own experience of being a new pastor, uh, things to do. And the first thing, of course, is to pray. The second thing is be patient. In spiritual direction and counseling with others, over and over it's been a refrain, be patient, be patient. In my own time, spending almost two years near now, as well as drawing and you know, continuing with my own life as a priest and as a pastor, having to remind myself, be patient, be patient. This weekend we celebrate Trinity Sunday, honoring the Most Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And much has been said and much can be said about the Holy Trinity. One of the things that's about this Sunday is it's often known as Heresy Sunday among priests because it's so easy to fall into uh, erroneous teachings on the Blessed Trinity when you try to do good, you end up falling on the wrong side. Uh, so we'll try to stay on, the, stay on the right path today. But one of the things is that, that heresy, in a sense, has made itself manifest throughout the ages of the church. In the early church, they struggled with the Trinity in many ways, especially the Lord Jesus. Understanding how it is that Jesus came among us. He's the second person of the Trinity according to our faith and according to the own revelation that he gives to us. But what does that mean? Was he fully God? Was he fully man? If he's Trinity, is he like 33.333% God and therefore like 69% or 67% man and 33% God? And, and trying to iron out all that understanding of these realities. Much was said in the early church. Many struggles with who is this Jesus? As those things were settled, as those things came to be understood more and more deeply by the grace of the Holy Spirit, other things began to arise, other complications, trying to understand who is this God that we serve? Who is this God? The philosophers of the Middle Ages would refer to God in, in lofty terms, philosophical terms, talking about him as the good, the true, and the beautiful, the transcendental qualities. He would speak of him of that which nothing greater can be thought. And other such terms, trying to understand 
philosophically, who is this God? But I think our issue today, the issue in the life of the church today with the Blessed Trinity, isn't the humanity or divinity of Christ. It isn't so much debating the Trinity itself, how one God can be three persons, or whether God is the true, the good, and the beautiful. I think the biggest thing that we struggle with today with God is His patience. The patience of God tests us because it pushes against our impatience quite often. If we look at the scientific evidence that presents itself today, it seems that the world was created, things began to exist 18 billion years ago. The human person existed a million or so years ago. That's a long time for God to wait before he gave the crown of creation, the human person created in his image and likeness. 18 billion years God waited before giving the crown of what he was doing. When he created the first persons, Adam and Eve, they fell. And in the second chapter of Genesis, God promised that he would send a savior. And there was thousands of years before he actually came. The Israelites, the chosen people, they were chosen by God to be the light to the nations, to go out and to spread the gospel, to, to spread the good news to the world, that we have a God who loves us and who is near to us. And they were chosen. And then they went into exile and slavery for 400 years. Then he saved them, and they wandered in the desert for 40 more years. Then they finally came to the promised land. They finally came to the kingdom that had been prepared for them. And a thousand years later, the Christ finally came. You would think that after all that celebration from a human perspective, when God finally came among us, he would come with like the, 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 the blare of trumpets and the blasting of horns and the beating of drums and those little things you pop on New Year's, the little pops, you know, little bottle corks, a little confetti all over the place. But he came and he sat quietly working in a carpenter shop for 30 years. For 30 years he silently was among us before he made his ministry for three short years. And shortly before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples, Behold, I'm going to come back and I will come back and make a place for you to bring you to the place I've prepared for you. And for 2,000 years we've been waiting. The patience of God is absolutely incredible. And sometimes it's insanely frustrating. Because our culture today is a culture that likes things to be quick, to be instantaneous if at all possible, to be able to have whatever we desire as quick as we can. Efficiency is the number one key so much of our culture. And it's the exact opposite of the way that God works. God's absolutely efficient in a very different time span. A very different manner of seeing things. And yet, that's what he invites us to. We're invited today to reflect upon the patience of God. And in doing so, to grow in patience ourselves. The letter to the Romans speaks to us today, and St. Paul is saying we should boast in our afflictions. 
Boast in our trials and our sufferings and our crosses that come. Boast in them, delight in them, celebrate them. Because afflictions bring about endurance. We had the same, the same exact reading yesterday morning for Mass. It was the, the translation was a little bit different. And rather than endurance, it actually used the word patience. Afflictions bring about patience. And patience or endurance brings about proven character. And proven character brings about hope. And hope does not disappoint. Ultimately, the thing is that patience is basically hope in action. God sees the whole picture. God is outside of time. Trying to wrap our heads around that doesn't really work. But God kind of sees all of time as now in some mysterious way. And so God sees things, he plans things, he works things in a way that we necessarily are unable to. He sees things and he's able to see the bigger picture, but we ourselves are limited by a short time, a single place, our own lived experience, not to see how so many others are laced together, how we're all part of one common story. And so it's that patience that the Lord invites us to. A patience that leads to hope. And again, it's hope and action. Because hope is knowing, is having certainty of what is to come, even though we can't see it, even though we can't touch it, even though we don't don't know it yet. It's knowing that it's coming. It's knowing that in hope, God will do all these things. That in hope, God will accomplish these things. And in hope, God will change things. And bring us to the place where we desire to be. And so it's in looking there that we have the patience to persevere here. How many times I've said and how many times I've heard, it's frustrating to go to confession because I feel like I say the same thing over and over again. We're in the same spot and it's so frustrating because I want to go quicker than I actually am. And to that the Lord responds, patience. How many times in my own prayer as well as I've heard from others, I've been praying, I've been asking the Lord, I've been wanting Him to do all of these things, to change these things, to change this particular situation, to respond, to do something. And yet, nothing is happening. Where is the Lord here? What's happening, Lord? Are you there? To which He invites us. Patience. In so many ways, the Lord invites us over and over and over again. Patience. To look at the bigger picture and to persevere in the work where we are now and hope that what we desire will one day come. Hope and action. As we come to the summertime in the life of the church, the liturgical year, the things kind of start to slow down. Uh, Easter's, Easter's done, Easter's wrapped up. Next weekend we'll have Corpus Christi Sunday, and after that it's a relatively quiet time liturgically speaking. There's no real big major feast. We'll have the Feast of St. Anne in July, but uh, nothing, uh, nothing huge outside of that season-wise. And so I want to invite you to have a little patient walk with me with the rest of the parish. A 92-day challenge. I say 92 days because 30 days are September, April, June, and November. 
And so 31 for July and August, right? 92 days to pick one thing and to do it patiently. A lot of times we, when we come into the faith, we want to do things quickly and a lot of them. When people are experiencing conversion, when they're coming into the church, when they're coming back to the church, when they're coming alive in the church, when something new happens in our hearts, a lot of times our first inclination is, I need to do everything and I need to do it now. A temptation that comes to each of us, I believe. And yet the Lord invites us patience. And so rather than try to do a bunch of things, I want to invite each of you to do one thing for 92 days. June, July, and August. I've got some suggestions here, a list of 10 ideas, but it's not all-inclusive. There are certainly other things that the Lord may be inviting you to do, and certainly to give credence to that. And so things that may be worth doing in this time. The first one is to pick one day each week and do everything at half the speed you normally do. I say that with the exception of driving. Please do not drive at half the speed you normally do, because you will cause a wreck, and that will be on me. So, everything outside of driving, do it at half the speed. Our culture says do it at twice the speed. Speed up, do quicker, you know, more efficiently, right? But take the time and enjoy it. The stuff that we have to do, allow it to be something that's actually pleasant, that we can take the time and simply be with the Lord as we go. To do things at half the speed. If you're not already there, maybe simply to make Sunday Mass each week. Your item. That one thing. That every week I'll go to Sunday Mass for the next 92 days. Maybe it's something like bringing the notebook to Mass. The idea of bringing a little, a little journal or some sort and to try intentionally for 92 days to find one thing in Mass that strikes you. Could be something that was in the readings. Could be something that happened in the Mass. Could be something that could be not normally part of the Mass. Something that just caught our eye, caught our attention the course of the day. It struck us and spoke something of God. And to write it down and to pray with it for the rest of the week. To see what God may have been saying there. It wouldn't be a list without confession. So maybe just to go to confession once a month for the next three months. I know we could do that. That's only three things you got to do. Maybe it's to take time and read the Bible each day. 10 or 15 minutes. Just to pray with the scriptures. And allow the patient God to teach us by his words. To make Sunday... Truly a day of family and of faith. A lot of times our culture, we want to fill Sunday up with other activities because it's one of the days that we don't have to work. But to make Sunday really a day where we can simply, again, sit and enjoy family. To enjoy time with the Lord and with one another. To share a meal as a family. Maybe a certain number of times each week. When I was growing up, there was one night we had each week that was known as anything night. It was usually Tuesdays. Because that was the night that nobody felt like cooking. So whatever you could find to eat, you ate it. I usually had Pop-Tarts because I had no culinary skills whatsoever beyond Pop-Tarts. 
But to be intentional, not about having a day where you don't eat together, but having a day where you do. Where you intentionally make the time to talk with each other and to spend the time. Maybe to find simply a good Catholic book and read through it and allow it to nourish your soul. To pick a point each week and to come spend an hour with the Lord in the Eucharist. I know the church at St. Anne is open during the day each week. The church in New Rose has the, the Adoration Chapel where you can go any time of day. But just to come spend an hour with the Lord in His presence. In the silent presence of the Lord. And allow Him to be with us, to teach us. Or maybe simply to pray together as a family one night a week. To pick one night a week and pray the rosary together. To allow the Lord with Our Lady to lift us up. Again, these are just examples. But I invite you to pray about it and to find that one thing that the Lord desires for you. And just to stick with it. If nothing happens, if there's no, if there's, if, if there's no feel-goods involved in it, if there's no response, if you see no fruit, cool. Be patient. 92 days. Because we know if we commit to something with the Lord, the Lord will bring something from it. He will never leave us astray. He will never let us go and not call us back. Our God is infinitely faithful and infinitely patient. Let us pray the grace of the Lord to be with us to teach us the same. That we might be able to be patient with Him, to be patient with each other, and patient with ourselves.